Chapter 20 Gom remembered imagining that blade between his ribs. He could feel the pain now, the sharp thrust of it. Oh, it hurt, it hurt, and he couldn't even cry out. Gom? Gom? Hey, lad, wake up. He opened his eyes. The hut was filled with lamplight and the smell of burnt toast. Stig was shaking him gently by the shoulder. Of Skella, there was no sign. Gom became aware that he was lying not flat on his back, as he'd thought, but curled up on his side with his fist caught underneath him, pressing painfully into his ribs. He must have been having a nightmare after all. Son! Son, feeling better? Gom sat up, rubbing his side. Oh, much, father. How did it go? Well, there was a big fuss and no mistake. Stig went to the hearth, put a slice of slightly charred toast onto a plate, poured a ladleful of steaming broth into Gom's mug, and carried them over to him. They're all afraid that when the queen hears about Skella, she'll send her soldiers to kill us all. But I said we've nothing to fear if we tell the truth. For what Skella did wasn't right, not right at all. But in the end, he finished sadly, they still seemed more afraid for themselves than angry at what he did to us. Gom dunked his toast into the broth and took a good big bite. You know what I think, father? he said, with his mouth full. There isn't any queen. And if there is, she doesn't know about any Skella. I was right. That man was a fraud and a cheat, worse, a killer. Why should we believe a word, he said. If the townsfolk want to fret for a while, that's their affair, not ours. But what about the gold? Did it trade well? Stig turned back to the hearth, picked up the toasting fork, spiked a thick slice of bread with it, and held it to the flames. Father, the gold, did it trade well? Gum asked again. But he knew the answer before Stig got the words out. Son, I... Well, I... Stig stopped, then said in a rush, I gave it away. Gom's broth tipped over the bed. You what? They were that angry with you, I had to. Angry with me? Because of Skella? No. Not exactly. To tell you the truth, it was strange. I told them all how clever you'd been, finding your way under the mountain and all. Boy's a regular wizard, I told them. But it only made them mad. They don't seem to like the idea of wizards at all. Gom was shocked. A wizard? His father couldn't have said a worse thing. Oh, father, they say down there that wizards are bad people who crush your eyes and blight your crops, set fire to haystacks and sour the cream in the churn. You've heard them say yourself 
that if ever one were to show his face down there, they'd run him out of town. Stig tried to laugh. I'd like to see that, lad. I really would. Surely froth on a beard makes a man brave. But they know no better. And how should they? Never having travelled, never having seen a magical man. What they say is born of fear, an ignorant superstition. Oh, there are bad wizards, just like there's bad of everything in this world. But for the most part, wizards are very wise people, who know much more about things than us ordinary folk. Like what, father? Oh, everything, the whole world. What makes the sun shine? What makes the rain? How to cure a gaffer's gout better than Mother Chubb can? And how to stop Mistress Mary's cough? He, or she, knows how to stop toothache and charm the wart off the end of your nose. How to make dry wells run again and temper spring floods. A wizard knows all about signs and letters and numbers and books, about the stars and the best times for planting, and how to double your cow's milk. Gom stared at Stig, fascinated, despite his consternation over the gold. Father, how do you know all this? Stig's face sobered, grew wistful. Then he stared at Gom as though not seeing him, then looked away to the hearth. Your mother told me, he said at last, long, long ago. She'd travelled the world over and over. Many things she told me of a winter's evening, but he ruffled up his hair. It's all gone from my head. Save what's come back to me today about wizards. Gom felt a prick of excitement. He took his mother's room from inside his nightshirt and looked at the lines and squiggles running riot over it. A wizard knows all about signs and letters and numbers and books. Gom didn't know a single sign. Neither did any of the townsfolk. They could all count after a fashion, it was true, and keep tally with a rough-notched stick. Were these numbers and letters on this little black stone? he wondered. And as he wondered, he felt a faint vibration coming from deep within the stone. Scarce able to hide his excitement, he put it to his ear. Nothing. What is it, son? What are you doing? Listening, father. Father, he thought excitedly of his visions of the gold and the skull in its strange amber glow, of the way the rune had almost pained him, so alive it had been, lying against his chest. Father, you know what I think? I think that these lines are letters and numbers. And if they are, was mother... He faltered at the shocked expression on Stig's face, then pressed doggedly on. Was... Is she a wizard, do you think? Stig went a deep red. Then, to Gom's surprise, he laughed outright. 
to tell you the truth, son, she might very well be. Twas strange, the way she popped up out of the blue and disappeared again. And I always said she wouldn't have left us without good reason. And wizards have good reason. For they have such important work about the world, you know. Why, they really do speak with queens, too. To think, he said, looking wistful, that she bided full thirteen year with me. Garm leaned forward, forgetting his broth, his toast, everything. His mother, a wizard. How wonderful if it were true. He was almost of a mind to tell his father about the visions and the rune there and then. But something, some inner caution stopped him. So he merely asked, Can you tell me anything else about her? About them? Think, father. Think hard. Stig screwed up his great round face and squeezed his blue eyes tight. Well, it were marvellous the way she knew the leaves and roots and such. I never was ill all the time she were with me, nor were the children, not for long at any rate. And she always seemed to make the food go around somehow, though I don't know how. And I swear she spoke with the critters out in the woods the way you seem to, though it seems hardly possible to me. She certainly weren't no ordinary woman. That's why the townsfolk didn't take to her as they might have. Though they were right kind to her, I will say that. But goodness knows what they might have done if there'd been a breath of a whisper about her being a wizard. I think we'd best not talk about it again, son, if you don't mind. The glow left Stig's face, leaving it sad again, which made Gom glad that he'd kept his peace. You mean, they think me a wizard? Just because of what you said? Stig nodded unhappily. I was only trying to show them what a clever boy you were, telling how you'd saved me from Scalar and gotten me out from under the mountain, knowing your way about them caves and all. But it only made things worse. They said it weren't natural for a boy to know so much and to get the better of grown men. So I gave them the gold. But Gom hadn't gotten the better of Scalar. It had been the other way around. And there was nothing special about knowing Cecily's territory, for hadn't she taught him everything? But it would be useless to try to explain to the townsfolk. Once their minds were made up on anything, that was that. He looked at Stig's troubled face. But what of your earrings, father? The whole point of bringing out the gold was so that you'd have some. Right then, Gom thought ruefully, it appeared as though everybody in his uncle was going to have a pair but Stig. Oh, son, I'm that sorry, but after yesterday I couldn't. Don't you know? Gom knew. He sighed. It was no use being angry, for Stig was what he was. As for giving away the gold, he'd known that would happen, hadn't he? He was sure now that somehow his mother's rune had been trying to help them, to show them the gold, to ease their poverty. But the plan had failed, 
and a man had died because of it. And after all that, they were no better off than before. Oh, if only he'd gone down into town with Stig. But he hadn't, and that was that. Now all the gold was gone. No, not quite all. He thought of his jacket under his pillow, filled with some of the best nuggets and a veritable bucketful of flakes. He'd bury it as soon as he was up and about again, and save it for a rainy day. He smiled up at Stig. So, they'll not run me out of town now, then, having the gold. Stig looked relieved. Oh, no, the blacksmith's going to be working day and night to forge it into chains and earrings. Why, some have so much that they're even going to have scissors and knives and frying pans made of it. Next week when we go down into town, you'll be the greatest hero. You'll see. Gom sat up. Knives? Frying pans? He felt a stab of anxiety. He remembered seeing back in the gully how soft the gold had been on his finger. Even then he'd thought how useless it was for an axe blade. And now the folk were having it made into tools and utensils. It wouldn't work, unless... Pinkle knew about gold, didn't he? He should, being the smith and all. He'd tell them surely that it wouldn't work would persuade them to keep just to earrings and chains and such, to replace their silver trinkets. Gom nodded. The thrifty townsfolk would set great store by such lasting treasures. He relaxed, lay back, and closed his eyes. Yes, if Pinkle handled it right, all would be well, unless he sat up again. Pinkle also liked to turn a profit. He might not be willing to turn away work. The fever of gold was upon the town. The townsfolk had momentarily lost their senses. That being so, the blacksmith might go ahead and do exactly what they told him to do and not let on at all. Gom let out a deep, deep breath. Far from being hailed as a hero, as his father fondly thought, he had an uncomfortable feeling that some angry and disillusioned people might just be waiting to run him out of town after all.